Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I am breaking down the fourth member of my draft profile series in Evan Mobley. We're finally going to be taking a look at the front court, and this is a guy who a lot of people really, really like, and there is a clear reason why. Played for USC last year. I, I didn't actually ever mention the uh, season stats for guys in the last three, so I'll, I'll just start out here. But for the Trojans last season, he averaged 16.4 points, 8.7 rebounds, 2.4 assists, and 2.9 blocks playing just around 34 minutes a game for the team. So those are a lot of good stats. You tacked that on with a 30% three does have an asterisk on it though i'll talk about it later but that's a pretty well-rounded uh a stat line there and when i talk about his frame you'll understand this but he is considered to be the unicorn of this draft class and there always is kind of those one or two guys in draft classes that everyone kind of coins as a unicorn and for whatever reason a lot of them are euro guys because the game is different it's a lot more pass oriented and iq is a big deal Alexei Pokashevsky, that was clearly the unicorn of last draft, right? He can pass the ball. He does crazy moves. He's seven feet tall, seven three wingspan. He can just do a little bit of everything. And then defensively, he's great. But you also need to mention other guys like a Drajan Bender. He was considered to be a unicorn at one point come draft day. And then a guy like Kristaps Przingis right now. That is the biggest unicorn we've probably had. In the last couple years you can probably call kd one though i'd call him a unicorn but um yeah i mean seven foot three obviously he's trending down right now but at his peak he was called a unicorn every other sentence you were talking about that guy he could splash threes he could dunk on you he could dribble block shots he did everything on the floor and that is what everyone desperately wants in this league they want a big who possesses you know a long frame but also has the skills of a guard. And Evan Mobley has shown more traces than anybody in this draft class at being a unicorn, which is why he is so unique as a prospect. As of right now, if you look at any mock draft, you're going to see Mobley in the two to four range. Really, whoever needs a center would love to have a guy like this. So there's, uh, there's no reason why he'd slide by that. I feel like he is pretty sturdy at two, three, or four. Even at four, that might be a bit of a shock, but he's going to be top five for sure. Top four, definitely going to happen for him. But just starting things out with the measurables for Evan Mobley. He is seven feet tall. That's already where you want to be at. That's where Pokashevsky's at, right? Seven feet is that upper tier and that's a center's height. Like, even at power forward, seven feet tall, that is going to give you a height advantage. And people going small, you see power forwards who are 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, Mobley's seven feet. Obviously, he's going to get upgraded to center here. But that's just giving you a little bit of comparison. That's a center's height. And on top of it, he's only 215 pounds. And that's where the unicorn factor comes in. When you're talking a seven footer with that slim of a body, obviously right now these names have bulked up since draft day, but you think of a KD, a Brandon Ingram, Poku again. These guys were frail as can be entering the draft, and Alexei Pokashevsky, he still is frail, but 215 pounds, he's a slim guy, 
he's not all that terrible. Like, you don't look at him, and the first thing you notice is he is skinny. You look at, oh my goodness, he is a long, long player. So I guess that's a positive, but it also means he can be a lot faster. As I mentioned, though, I gave you the comps of KD, Ingram. Bender's going to go back in the mix. Before he was drafted, he was seven foot one and he was 225 pounds. So he was also a bit slim. I will say the play styles are a little bit different between the two though. So maybe I might just be throwing that in there and it's kind of relevant to the story, but that's just kind of the, the builds that I'm basing things off of. The thing that I love the most about Mobley though is the seven feet, obviously, but he has a seven foot four wingspan, a whole four inches taller than his body. That is scary. Only other person I could really find in that area at 7'4 was Kawhi Leonard. But Kawhi, I think he's like 6'7, 6'8. So he is one of a kind in terms of wingspan. But other players like a KD, he has a 7'5 wingspan. Alexei Pokashevsky, I believe, has a 7'3 wingspan. So he has some very long arms. And that means he has a lot of potential. He could have on both sides of the ball because wingspan matters with rebounds, passing lanes, shot blocking, shooting the ball. It's a big part of the game that can get swept up under the rug when you're elite, but obviously it does not hurt you when you have giant arms. And that is exactly what Evan Mobley has. On top of that, he's only 19 years old right now. So he is going to be able to bulk up for sure in the next couple years. So the 215 pounds he's at right now, I don't expect it to be like that. He could easily get 10 to 15 more pounds of muscle on by the time he is able to drink. So he will be good, I think, uh, in terms of that. But I want to go into just a straight up skill set of him first. And when I ran through his statistics, the one that popped out to me, I don't know if it did to you guys, but the blocks. He is ridiculous when it comes to shot blocking. He averaged 2.9 a game playing 34 minutes and then on the fouls he only averaged 1.8 so it wasn't like he was just banging into people and some of them would be blocked sometimes no he was very good at rejecting the basketball and that's a trait that you are going to need as a unicorn you need to hold your ground when someone kind of crosses into enemy territory a mobile can do that he's 215 pounds so he seems like someone you could bully driving right into but uh no, he's able to reject shots at an elite level, and he was at the college level. Don't think it'd be an issue transferring over. He was able to make his rejecting skills pop up on all three levels, and that is something that you're not going to see from many centers in any draft class, any front court player. If they're able to reject shots at all three levels, it is a major check mark here. He's able to block shots when people drive right in on him. You know, if a large defender wants to take him, that's fine. He has a seven foot four wingspan. If someone wants to take a step back mid-range, he can close out. He's 215 pounds, pretty nimble. So he can get a fingertip on there. And then even when you have those deep range shots, it's more or less the same. He gets in your shooting pocket and is able to reject shots or just disrupt them a lot. He's a very, very tall dude. So he can close out but he also can show off some impressive vertical he has. And he's not like the guys I've talked about uh, in both Jalen's, really. I think Cade Cunningham's a bit below them athletically. But he's not going to be throwing down insane dunks, per se. But he does have a good vertical 
And with the build he's at, he doesn't need that 40-inch vertical to be wild. You give him 30 inches, and he's already at the rim, and he's blocking shots. So he can do that. So when he's tested right inside, he can sky up and go vertically, get his shot block off. So I think for a guy that has a lot of question marks on size, he's kind of able to level the playing field and really shift the game into his favor with how he's able to reject shots and how he's able to use that seven foot four wingspan and you need guys who are able to do that you need a guy who not only can defend inside but also mid-range and beyond you don't just want to have a center who is going to be basic right below the basket because that leaves your vulnerable a lot and really into the specific play i want to talk about pick and rolls and with the nba we know how this game is shifting it's a lot more guard heavy right now the perimeter is the focal point you want everybody to be a shooter in the modern nba bully ball simply is just not as effective anymore and you'll still see some gems who go to that style but you want to be popping threes you want to have the steph curry instead of a shaquille o'neal right now that's just how it is you want three points instead of two hit two threes you're good. It's going to take three two-point shots, bully ball possessions, to even tie that. So you're always going to be a step ahead when you're taking threes. So you want to be able to have guys who can pop. You want to have guys who can pull up from the mid-range, shoot from three, drive in. And that's what you're seeing, especially at the guard positions. You're talking these all-around monsters, the Trey Youngs, the Damian Lillards, the Donovan Mitchells the Devin Bookers, I can go on and on with that list, but all these guards live and die with these screens, and so how about this, SGA too, he led the league, Luka was right behind him, they love screens, and all of those top tier guards, their go-to move right now is the screen, not even the isolation offense, unless you're going in the clutch, but in a half court, they're most comfortable going off screens, and if you have a guy who cannot defend on screens to where they drop every play you have a two-on-one and if you have a stretch five the play is essentially over someone is going to be open so you need someone in the front court who can defend off screens and evan mobley is a beast at it easily in my book the best that i've scouted uh defending screens at the center position and truthfully probably in the whole entire front court i don't know about overall but he is very very good he has that quickness with the seven feet and with his weight it's not like he's lumbering around 300 pounds he doesn't have an issue maneuvering around the floor could he use an extra bump in lateral quickness for sure but he still held up pretty strong and because of that he can do every sort of coverage you would ask for for a typical guard he can drop down he can hedge on screens and he can just flat out switch onto these guards and he'll be good there's not going to be a, a major drop off from anywhere the only real risk factor is if he entirely switches some of these guards could try to loft the ball inside and that could be an issue because you have you know center going up against a, a smaller guy that'd just be two points and there'd be a lot of switching that you just don't want to have to look into but when you look at him right now and his frame he is very unique when it comes to defending off these pick and rolls seven feet tall seven foot four wingspan it's going to be staring at his opponents the entire way and when you factor in his ability to be a rim protector whenever that point guard or whoever it is 
gets off the screen and is looking to maneuver, if they see Evan Mobley switch, they're going to be hitting the panic button like a million times. He is a red flag, and there's already going to be blood in the water when you see that man because he can sprawl out his arms and make plays happen. He does not foul a lot, so you cannot just go for bait move after bait move. If it is effective at all, he's going to sure that up. He is a really good defender in terms of how he's able to use his hands. So there's no real cop-out move to where you can just do a step back. If you're on another guard, a step back move is going to be deadly. But when you're playing someone who's seven feet tall, the step back is just like a standstill jumper. He will close that gap up in time straight up with his hands, and then he can just jump up, and then you're talking the fingertips, the fingertip block. And I mean, that's really... That's really all she wrote with that play. So you cannot just go to simple bailouts to get around Evan Mobley. Guards are going to have nightmares facing up against him. And for whoever picks him up, that might be the most valuable skill you can ask for in a defender right now. You need to be able to defend really all positions. And he can almost defend everyone one through five on pick and rolls. What a novelty that is. I don't know if there are more than five people in the league who can do that. I I would even try to go out and, and guess right now. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Sure, you could talk about specialists like a Kawhi Leonard or something, but I, I don't even know how to run down the list right now. I just know Evan Mobley would be on the doorstep or in that list. He has it down pat. And one of the best things about Mobley is in a drop coverage, Sometimes that can be killer, but if you are able to get that point guard rolling to the rim and he doesn't want to take a shot, a lot of these times when you get to that free throw line, the runner and floater has become more effective than we've seen. It kind of died out, but it's getting a little bit of a revival. So you'll see those runners and floaters and Evan Mobley will be five feet behind the play. A typical center cannot bridge that gap in time. Whenever he sees someone go up for a floater, it's a wide open floater. That's it. Evan Mobley's not giving up on that play. He can take one step further and it's a contested floater. Contested floaters. I can't make a contested floater. Obviously, if you put me up against a Brian Scalabrini, I'm never touching the rim. But um, like still, a contested floater is a really hard shot to make. So... I don't know. I just think that's another plus. Just everywhere you want. Any type of shot off a of pick and roll is not going to be a very high quality look for defenders. And um, I mean, that that's really just where I see him. You know, the vertical comes into play too. And then also, if you do turn the corner, which those speedy guards can tend to, he can still chase down block. I'm not going to say that's part of his game consistently, but it will show up every couple of games. He will get chased down blocks and he can pin the ball up against the iron. So as a defender, he is beautiful. One of the best rim protectors I've seen in the class and then defending off screens. Like I said, I don't think there's anyone in the in this draft class who can defend as many positions as he can in those situations. So that is something that GMs will need to be salivating about. That is something you cannot just immediately instill in someone even guards on screens have trouble defending right Mobley seven feet tall he can do the guards he can do centers he can do anybody anybody he wants he's all right and that leads into that kind of defensive versatility 
I was talking about. And I think he can be a multi-positional defender, especially on how he plays laterally. So I talked about how he could have some tinkering, but for seven feet, his lateral movement is speed D. He can cover the ground he needs, and he can help block off those angles. His side-to-side -side movements, they take up a lot of space, but he's also very articulate in when he makes those moves. Like, he is not out there just randomly moving side-to-side, -side, trying to cut off corners or whatever. He knows on a precise basis what every stride he's taking is going to do for the defender and it makes it so turning the corner is extremely hard but the biggest thing with Evan Mobley is how he can mirror defenders with his hips if he sees somebody you know turn his hip right looking to go to the right side he's gonna match the body of his man and now you're cut off. You're screwed over. If you try running there, you're going to run into a brick wall. That is a trait that for a center is special. I've heard comparisons to Hakeem Olajuwon in terms of mirroring defenders in this way. Truthfully, I wasn't around when Hakeem Olajuwon was playing, right? But uh, I know he's a really good defender. I can't throw that out. Obviously, Hakeem is a Hall of Famer. Evan Mobley is 19 years old, but he would have a long way. If he can seriously mirror defenders, though, like, I don't know any other centers who are doing that. And if there are, it's not being publicized very well, because I straight up don't know uh, who can do that, especially not at 19 years old hitting the draft class. But he is special in that regard, and I do think that's why he can in instance running up against guards will be able to hold up I mean he played a lot of small ball fives in college he did have to take on some backcourt players and he never really faltered in a major way I felt like I, I don't think he got exploited so I think he's all right I think he's kind of in that KD body right now so at 215 pounds that's slim I do think he's gonna bulk it up but it's not a glaring issue in terms of perimeter defense right now or in general are a couple holes though that I will talk about but um, yeah defensively he really almost gives you that entire package so if he can defend on that perimeter on guards you are getting a defensive master a one in a you know five drafts kind of guy and everyone should be going in for someone like that also think with him he's very good as a ball handler when you switch to the, to the offense so he doesn't have crazy, crazy dribble moves, but I will say it's fairly underrated for him. Now, he has the ability to take the ball coast to coast. If he gets a rebound, he can speed up. He can go cross the timeline from whatever, you know, like almost hitting the, uh, the sidelines almost. Like he's not going straight in from up top. He wants to slice in from a wing. But he can turn the corner there, and he can make plays where he's going to kick it out or he's going to take a bucket on his own. As a 7-footer, being able to control the floor like that, you love to see it. Now, for a player like Poku, for example, he showed this all the time in his tape from Greece. He'd get the basketball, and he'd just charge up the floor and take layups. And when he made the jump to the NBA, it took him about five months to even see that. We saw it in the G League, but he didn't see it in the NBA. He'd always just cross a timeline and tense up. 
I don't think Evan Mobley would um, would be someone who instantly is trying to run the floor. I do feel like, especially if there's a good point guard on the roster, he would be crossing that timeline and switching more in the half court. I don't know if they'd want to be abusing him in a transition setting, but he's faster than centers. He matches stride for stride those forwards even faster than some. And if you're running into a guard, he's going to make the shot. Like, is he going to be affected by someone a foot smaller than him? Maybe. Depends on who you're talking about here. But I don't know. The coast to coast is a definite seed. And it tells you kind of where his speed is at uh, compared to some of the other counterparts at the five position. But in the half court, he also does have a couple dribble moves that I like to talk about. He has a good push cross, and he has a good between-the-legs dribble move. And that is how he found the angles mainly in slashing to the basket, and it did get him a glimpse. But then he'd kind of go into his other moves, like a spin move that could get him a shot. And that's spin. When I break down players, the spin move is always popping up. These top prospects have the spin move in their arsenal. It does not change with a center. Evan Mobley does it just fine as well swimming around to get his shots moving on though i want to talk about him kind of playing off the ball but then he goes he's going to get back into play and that comes with screens so i mentioned how screens are kind of becoming the future of the league right now all the top scorers are going to screens for the majority of their buckets and for that you're going to need your screen setter to also be versatile to where you're going to be taking someone one-on-one or if someone drops, you're going to have a wide open shot or your teammate is every single time. And Evan Mobley has shown he can be a threat in the pick and roll offense. So he can set those high ball screens perfectly. And he's quick enough to where he's able to beat his center to the basket if he wants to step up or hedge. He's going to beat him to the basket. He can get a loft pass. He can get it lobbed. Or he can just get it and he'll just throw up a layup, even pass it out if he'd like to but he's faster than the center and more than anything he looks like a small forward when he's cutting into the basket so that is a major kind of advantage that Evan Mobley will have not only defensively on those screens but offensively you also need to talk about though that he has potential as a spot up shooter in the pick and pops and he has shown a lot of potential from the mid-range and the three that can fill out his game like he would pull up you do other things off the off the bounce, but I think the pick and pop is really where you need to start here. And if he can't get it on the move, if he can't hit those on the dribble moves, if he has a reliable pick and pop, I think it's okay. I still think he's very, very elite as an offensive player. I don't know about elite, but he's very versatile and whoever's going to be fa- facing him is going to have a tough time because if he has an elite guy to be setting screens for, it's going to be a you know double trouble dynamic duo that is going to absolutely make coaches really mad when they're game planning around uh, whatever team he would land on but yeah if he can pop out in space I mean he's open the jumper could be faster I think mechanically it's all right there isn't a lot of inconsistencies that I saw so I like him but he just needs to be able to shoot from there he didn't shoot a lot um from three i'll talk about it later but he didn't shoot a lot of reps so he is still a bit of a question mark there i will say though if he gets the pick and pop and he's wide open it allows for him to either take it 
but also he can slash inside to the basket and make things work because I talked about the push cross, the between the legs, and the spin moves he can put on. He's good when he's, you know, penetrating to the basket, and he's way bigger than anybody who would be sneaking up on him. So I like him. Uh, I do think, though, for the big deal, it's going to be his shooting potential. And this is kind of the make-or-break deal with everybody. There's not a lot of certified shooters in this draft class, at least at the top. I think Cade is one. I think Jalen uh, Green is one. I don't know about Jalen Suggs and Evan Mobley. He's still a little bit of a question mark too. Same goes with other people I'm going to be talking about in this series. But there's no one that kind of has that, you know, ability to immediately be a 40% three-point shooter. Maybe like Corey Kispert, but that's the only guy I can rattle off on the top of my head. Mobley has some work to do when it comes to shooting the basketball. But like I said, if he can fill out that jump shot, He's going to be effective slashing. Everything is going to increase tenfold in his game. And I do think he could actually live up to those unicorn comparisons because as a unicorn, you need to be able to hit the three. We know that with Przingis. He went from a unicorn to now people want to trade him for Al Horford and they'll even toss you in a couple first round picks. Like they are in the rock bottom status right now. And they're just desperately trying to get out. But yeah, I mean, Evan Mobley, if he's able to shoot, it's going to make him so, so much better. And with the current frame he has, he's just going to be a beast. If he can pull up, if he can shoot off the bounce, he is set. He is set, and I don't really see any major areas that I'd have an issue with. But I still, with that being said, have a couple of key weaknesses that I have with him. And some of them are not that huge. I think he can... Uh, work his way out of those with time, but they do need to be addressed just because you can't just say this is going to get fixed up in no time. You need to just say it how it is. And it starts with his frame to begin with. I mean, he's just not that strong. At 215 pounds, though, I do think he held up well, at least against the college centers, because he was able to work it with his vertical, his wingspan, you can go down the line as to why he was very good as a defender. But uh, I do think against those elite like back-to-basket bigs at the NBA, he's going to have some tough times. I think against the typical center who is more on that face-up game, is kind of trying to slash as opposed to take you on the post, he's going to be doing well against them, maybe even outworking them from the jump. But those premier guys who love working in the post, the Nikola Jokic's, the Joel Embiid's, the Rudy Gobert's, and even a guy like an Ennis Cantor who can get offensive rebounds at a crazy high rate, I think that's going to be the hardest matchup Evan Mobley will have to face in his rookie year until he's able to hit maybe like a 230-pound weight threshold. He just looks skinny. He needs to bulk up a bit. Once you cross that path, though, I think he's all right, and you know, I think the rebounding, um, it's almost like a Moses Brown. And I always make these comparisons to Thunder players, and overall, they're really not that close. But I guess Moses Brown is a good example because he's skinny. He's 7'2. He also has a 7'4 wingspan. He's explosive at getting offensive rebounds. He'll sky up and snag boards. And Evan Mobley also has vertical. I don't know if it's on the same spectrum as Moses Brown, but. 
he's pretty athletic. So you can get those rebounds over the small ball fives. You can get it over the bigs who are not amazing at rebounding, like a Laurie Markkinen, for example, Moses Brown ate alive. I think Evan Mobley would do the same thing, really. But when Moses Brown would play and Ennis Cantor, he was the most unplayable person on the team. And he could get you a double-double, but Ennis Cantor had a 20-20 game if he wanted to. He'd have a wide-open second-chance look after getting his 12th offensive rebound in a game. So that is the only real downside I see to Mobley currently is how he would play against those bigger players who only work inside, really. But um, outside of that, I mean, I think he's he's pretty good in terms of frame. And it's one of those like pros and cons. And I don't ever think he's going to reach a bridge where his weight gets too high to where he's not able to guard uh, on the perimeter. But you definitely need to make sure he can stay there. So I think the 230-pound weight is a good milestone to reach. Even 240 pounds makes sense for his given height, but you just don't want to spiral out of control to where he's not going to be able to be as quick on his feet. You need to make lateral quickness a priority. So if I were to pick the lesser of the two evils, I guess I'd go with having issues on the select amount of centers. Obviously, if you get into an NBA Finals match and you're playing the top tier guys, these would be the people you'd play and it could hurt him. But I'd rather have him clamping up on the guards because there are a lot of three-level scoring guards that are currently playing in the league. So I don't see this as a major, major issue. I do think he works into it. And as I mentioned, even with the frame, he plays a lot bigger than what the weight would tell you anyways. So I think he'll be all right. Um, But there will be wrinkles. And I definitely do see games where he'll just get completely outclassed inside due uh due to him weighing 215 pounds one thing that i do want to address though is him driving in on plays he's very eye-catching when it comes to driving to the basket but sometimes he will end up getting tunnel vision and he just wants to get a basket way too much and he'll just get into very troublesome situations and i do think as a slasher he has a good motor. He can take a couple strides in and he just went from the three-point line to trying to make a dunk. But once he commits to penetrating to the basket, he ends up kind of phasing out everything that is going on around him. And he's kind of put into these situations where he is trapped and he'll get caught up in the mid-range and he'll try to take contested turnarounds. He'll try to fade away or he'll just sit with the basketball for like three to five seconds and the play all the momentum is completely slashed there's nothing there it just got slaughtered it there you got to reset there's no way Evan Mobley can take a shot at this point but he still would try to do that and I think when he attacks the basket and he gets past the mid-range but he still feels uncomfortable he goes into trying to be like a bulldozer inside so he'll drop his head down and he just shrinks up the seven foot height is gone now his head is nearing like his defender's stomach he shrinks up like crazy and he'll try to get an angle off that but if he does not get the angle once again he's trapped and he gets suffocated to bad bad shots however with that though when evan mobley is looking up and trying to find teammates 
he does have a pretty good playmaking ability. He averaged 2.4 assists this season. The uh, the problem is, though, like I said, when he gets into congestion, he's hurt. But if he sees a wide-open target in the corner, yeah, he'll hit you. In transition, he's a pretty good passer. I do think at 7 feet, he's good in that category. It just comes down to overall shot selection. And that's going to go into just shooting in general. And I talked about the potential he has as a shooter. He can shoot face up, he shot pull-ups, and even those turnarounds. I didn't mention it, but he does have seedlings of a decent post game just due to his build. He can go in the post and uh, and reap the rewards. But I do think as a shooter, he does need to work a little bit. And one of the biggest deals when you look at shooters is their free throw percentage. And this sucks. I always love looking at free throw percentage to determine how someone might project going into the NBA. So if you start out as a freshman shooting 65% from the line, obviously that is not a good free throw percentage. But let's say in the sophomore season, you move up to 80%. And by junior year, you're shooting 88%. By that point, you're going to be a three-point shooter. Even if you slice out the junior year, taking a 15% increase from 65 to 85, you're going to be trending upwards regardless of wherever you're playing basketball. You're picking up the skills there. And with these one-and-done guys and with the high schools, uh, you know, high school players, prep players, you know, obviously that number is kind of gone outside of the occasional like Kenyon Martin Jr. or Baisley. But yeah, I mean, when you just have a year of resume at whatever level it is, it is a bit tough to grade. And you always want to have that second year to go off of for comparison and just see the growth. But that's why you take him in as a rookie. If you see rewards in him and, you know, you think he can be a serious shooter, bring him in and you hope he can pan out from the free throw line. But um, yeah, Mobley, he was all right. And I think given the uh, amount of shots he was taking at the stripe, you might even want to bump him up a little bit in this area. But he shot 69.4% from the foul line this year, but he was taking 5.8 attempts per game. That is wild. I don't have the stats on me on what other NBA players were taking, but 5.8 free throws is a lot to be taken in a game. So you need to take into account that he's playing 34 minutes too. That can juice up the stats, but it can also juice up or I guess drain you and make you fatigued going on into the game. But I think 70%, that's not a bad free throw percentage for a center. You want to get him to into the 80s, though. That's what I always see as kind of that benchmark. You go a little bit below that, I say you still get caught in my safety net, but you want to be around there. And he still has a little bit of ways to go, but he has shown he can be a shooter. So the only issue with the shot itself is the speed of it, but on where his potential would be as a shooter, as I said, very versatile. He was taking shots off that dribble off the pick and pop which is where he needs to hone in on off the pull-ups and off turnarounds so and the post shots too can't forget about that but um yeah i mean he does kind of have an even coat of potential everywhere in terms of shooting but um obviously as it currently stands you cannot mark him up as a certified shooter yet just a slasher and just defensively being a mastermind so overall I see him as one of the scariest front court defenders, not just in the draft class, but 
maybe in the NBA in a couple years. I don't know if he'd be in the defensive player of the year talks, but for whatever team he's playing for, he's going to be the best center they have from a defensive standpoint and maybe best defender overall. And the versatility that he brings is what stoops him up those levels. If he was great defending inside and just as a rim protector, it's cool with me. But the mirroring he has with his hips, the ability for him to close out on shots and kill anybody in a pick and roll or a pick and pop makes him lethal as a defender. And the only hole in his game is the weight, which I think will get uh, evened out by those five years, obviously. So he does have that star quality of mirroring and... I don't know how many people actually can do that on a consistent basis, but Moby can do that. That just kind of leads you to think that he could stick leading on and facing some of those perimeter forwards and guards as um, as his year or as his career kind of progresses. Offensively, though, I do think he's off the bat going to be very effective as a pick and roll player. When it comes to going in transition, he's good at passing. And he's good at finding his own shot. He can turn up the Jets there. I don't know if he's going to be used from the get-go as a slasher, a coast-to-coast specialist. I I think that that will be something you'll see like twice in his rookie year. And it will be one of the first things you see in his mixtape, right? But um, it's something that will be there for him. I just don't know how often you're going to see it. And penetrating to the basket, he might shrink up, but it's also there. The handle he has to step in, it could be tighter, obviously, but I like him as a dribbler. I think he can get into uh, penetrating by himself. The quickness at his height is ridiculous. The wingspan is ridiculous. But um, yeah, the only question mark I have for him really is how he's able to shoot the basketball. And that kind of bridges the gap from him being a very special defensive player to an all-around guy who will dice you up for a full 48 minutes of play. So my evaluation on Evan Mobley is um, is a bit, I don't, I don't know if it's like off the common mold, but with some of these other players, I would say how they were going to be an all-star or they're going to be perennial all-stars. With Evan Mobley, I'm just going to take it from a player perspective. And I did it with Jalen Suggs and the Marcus Smart evaluation. Obviously obviously a little bit better playmaking though. Um, but with Evan Mobley, I see him as an elite defender with shades of Chris Bosh. And when I throw out a guy like Chris Bosh, is he a Hall of Famer? I don't know. Um, but he was a beast in Toronto. He could really do it all. And even in Miami, he was very, very efficient when they were able to go out and get some NBA championships. One of those being against the Oklahoma City Thunder. But with the Chris Bosh comparison, some of the parts of the game is strictly just based on potential and how I feel about Evan Mobley as a prospect. The elite defender part, though, I truthfully believe it. I think he's going to be a top defender at his floor. Regardless, I think he's going to be versatile. He's going to be fine playing power forwards and centers. Now, it is a bit different when you talk one to three, but I still think in stints, he, he will be good at guarding them. Whether he's like a Kawhi Leonard type, I don't know if you want to go there. But he can hold his own 
against some of those others. And I think as the weight fills out, all the other tiny gaps he would have inside are, are just going to be wiped away because as is, he's already very good defending when people slash in on him uh, when it comes to driving in from the paint. But the way he's able to reject shots, I just haven't seen from anyone in this draft class. He can do it inside, mid-range, outside, any player you want. He can block him. He can close him out. And the way he mirrors, I've said it 10 times probably in the last five minutes, but it is absolutely bonkers given that he is seven feet tall. Offensively though, I think make or miss on that shot. If it does not develop and he's a career like 28% three-point shooter, that's atrocious. He is still going to be a starting level caliber guy uh, offensively, and he would give you a little bit extra. Now, the traditional center would just be a pick and roll dude who's going to get you rebounds, get the shots right under the rim, set screens, maybe shoot from like eight feet out. Evan Mobley can do that already consistently, so he has the adequate center traits already locked in. And I think um, off a rebound already, he's um, he's dangerous in terms of taking it coast to coast and then also distributing in the half court and dribbling is above what you'd see from a typical center. So he's already average. As I said, when you're talking pick and rolls, you just want to have someone who can get you a screen slash inside of the basket. And he is a mismatch due to his speed there. And he can catch the lobs, yada, yada, yada. He's good. But um, yeah, when you want to talk about unique traits, you cut those out. He'd still be solid and you'd be playing him as a starting center for your team uh, for the long-term future, really. That major question, though, is the three. And uh, yeah, it's because he already has the elite defense. Rejecting-wise, he's going to be a top dog there and, uh, and slashing. But the shooting gives you the all-around game and it's just not for certain. Personally, I like him. I think he will be able to get a shot where he's shooting maybe low 30s, maybe even getting up to like 34% from three. Uh, and that's very, very good. That is a great shooting percentage for someone you'd want to see in a pick and pop. That's a win. Whoever drafts him should be happy with that. Now, the on-the-ball traits is where you differentiate kind of the top scores at the five and you know, just one that you could use as a pick and pop player. And I don't know on the ball what would happen with him. Like I said, I really just want to bank on that pick and pop working and that he'd be a good catch and shoot scorer. But um, as you talk about the off the dribble and the turnarounds, the guy that I think about is Chris Bosh. And that's why I say there are Chris Bosh shades from that offensive standpoint. They have a nice handle. They have a nice touch working inside and their shot is pretty slow. Well, actually not pretty slow, but it's slower than what, you know, those elite shooters would uh would give you. But he's still very on the money with those shots both on and off the ball. Bosch in his sunset sages before he had, you know, the career-ending injury, he was a spot-up shooter for the Miami Heat. He played third fiddle behind LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. And I loved him when they came in. Well, actually, I didn't love him because they played the Thunder. But like that Three Musketeers gig they gave when they originally came in. He was on Sports Illustrated for the cover. Um, I mean, he was expected to be the third dude, but he kind of changed his gameplay to where he was just that perfect gel piece. And the Heat needed that. He needed that. And 
he might have been one of the most important puzzle pieces to that roster overall because he really held them all together. I think Evan Mobley has a long way to get there to Chris Bosh offensively. Defensively, he's very, very good though. Uh, it's just kind of a test of time to see how he is going to shape up and who will eventually land him. I do love Evan Mobley though. I think that for the Thunder, they would need someone like this. This is the perfect, perfect person down to the T that you would want SGA to be paired up with in a pick and roll or pick and pop scenario. Granted, he is able to form that out. They're perfect because he's fast. SGA is fast. Defensively, pick and roll defense was the main problem for the Thunder. He goes in and he gets you out of that hole for 30 minutes a game. However long he's in, it's not going to be a major, major problem. And those star shot creators will not be as efficient as they once were. So that's why I like him. I'll talk about the fit with the Thunder probably later on. We'll see what happens with the draft lottery. That probably will dictate what you see in the next month or so. But there's still going to be content going around with guys like Evan Mobley and where he would fit. If you guys don't want to wait that long, next week for DailyThunder.com, I will be publishing an article surrounding the top five players in this draft class and how they fit with SGA. So you're going to hear the snippets from Evan Mobley. You already heard my optimism. I'm going to put it to the page in a week or so. I'll give you guys the actual release date as I get more details, but I'm mocking it up right now so you guys can check it out. If you guys want to see all my draft profiles, because that is where I put the individual ones on my own website, it's Kyle Singler for MVP.com. I will need to change the domain name in time. I know it is corny. It sucks. I'll figure it out. If you guys want to listen to any playoff podcasts, make sure to check out anyone working for the Basketball Podcast Network. Amazing group of guys. I think now we're only like two or three teams short of having the full 30 in the rotation right now. But yeah, there's a lot of different things going on. How about the Phoenix Suns, man? That game two blowout against the Denver Nuggets. Absolutely fun stuff watching Chris Paul and Cameron Payne torch defenses left and right. So you guys can check out the Sun Solar Panel for the Suns. Uh, just every single game, they're going to keep you all updated with post pods. They got Dave King. Espo on there, great. They even tag along guests occasionally with them. Lots more others that I'll be talking about on the pod, and I mentioned it, but I am hoping to get some collaborations in the near future. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.